Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for May 17th, 2023. How busy will the travel season be? Retail spending bounced back in April after weaker showings in February and March. Even as demand for goods has waned, households continue to spend broadly on services this year. This should mean good news for the travel industry as we enter the prime summer vacation season. This is Brian Kirk, and joining me to talk about consumer activity as we close in on the middle of 2023 are Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bostancic, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers. Hi, Kathy. We're going to get to your thoughts first today. There are multiple cross-currents for consumers. We have a strong labor market supporting household incomes and potentially more unspent savings from the pandemic. But there's also higher interest rates, elevated inflation, and recession preparations are also eating away at spending power. With all that, what is your take on the state of the consumer, especially in light of the rebound for retail sales we saw in April? Well, thanks, Brian. And and there certainly are multiple cross-currents hitting the consumer right now. What we do know with the retail sales data that was released on uh, May 16th is that we have the consumer regaining momentum as we start the second quarter and, and looking into that spring summer travel season. The headline number was a bit softer than than expectations, but that really has more to do with how the census calculates auto sales. On the month, unit auto sales surged. They were up um, almost 8%, and that's because production for autos has picked up. So what we're seeing is as long as supply comes online and inventory is there, consumers have all this pent-up demand for uh, for autos that they're purchasing, you know, new cars and, and 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 light trucks. And then when you look at some of the core readings, uh, which exclude gasoline, and the reason we exclude gasoline is because it's very volatile based on on price changes, and and you exclude autos. And we we had a, a very strong increase. And and then when you dig a little bit below that, there's something called retail control. It's very uh, technical, but it it takes out building materials. And the reason we do that is because building materials are really residential investment activity, and that shows up elsewhere in GDP. So th- that that number was quite strong, um, and, and on the month, and that's consistent with what we call non-durable consumption. So durable consumptions are things that are related to household appliances and autos. We know that was strong in the month. Auto sales were booming. We now know that non-durable goods consumption was strong in the month. And as we'll talk more about, and Ben will take us through some of the outlook for for service spending, and particularly uh, for for travel, uh, but also dining out has been quite strong. So we have this the consumer on all three the key buckets um, spending quite strongly. But really underpinning that was the fact that the labor market remains so strong. And and on the month of April, we not only had solid job gains, but we had. Uh, average hourly earnings rise up half a percent in the month. That's a strong increase. So there's a lot of income generated for the month of April. So that leads into you know consumer spending. Now we we have seen the savings rate pick up. So to this point that there's multiple cross currents, even though we're seeing strong income, consumers are becoming a bit more cautious, um, starting to rebuild their their savings. The savings rate rising. Um, at the same time. 
there's still a lot of pandemic related savings that are left about 500 billion so that's been drawn down from 2.1 trillion to 500 billion but that's still a sizable cushion the consumers if they want to can dip into but i think that the, the bottom line here is the higher inflation higher interest rates are are uh, and the and the concern about recession are getting the consumer to be a bit cautious. But as long as the labor market remains strong and you have that income gain, that's going to support things. Our view, as we've expressed on previous podcasts, is we don't think that's going to last. We do think tighter credit conditions, tighter bank lending standards are going to eventually slow the economy. And we look for the consumer to slow down quite a bit, but it may have to wait until after the the travel season, uh, particularly during the summer, uh, comes to an end. Well, thanks for that, Kathy. Let's go to Ben now to get more details on the services that uh, services spending that you were just talking about there, Kathy. And so, Ben, can you help us dive deeper into the travel sector? You know, the official kickoff for summer travel season is Memorial Day, which is coming up right around the corner. We've seen some industry experts saying that this summer could be one for the record books. And while that's good for growth, it could also make it to be very congested for everybody out there. So what are we hearing? And how will that impact travelers this summer? Yeah, you're right, Brian. You know, several years of very complicated readings from the travel sector around COVID, but it finally seems like the sector is hitting its stride this year. Multiple estimates showing that we're seeing record levels of potential travel, especially on the flying front. You know, AAA expects a 7% increase in total travel over the Memorial Day weekend. And within that, they expect air travel to be up more than 11% from last year. Uh, and actually expecting air travel to be higher than it was in the pre-COVID era. So much of what we talked about for the last couple of years was, well, you know, it's back relative to where it was in 2020 or 2021, but not back to pre-COVID levels. In many cases, we are seeing that we're at record levels for potential travel as we look over the, the next couple months over the summer. You know, Expedia says they're seeing 25% increase in people looking for flights over the summer. Uh, MasterCard says that leisure Flight bookings are up more than 30% relative to 2019. So clearly travel was back, travel was in vogue, and people are really looking to be on the move over the summer. And you see that in the data. You know, passenger volumes at the TSA checkpoints now routinely meet or exceed their pre-pandemic levels. So you look through the first half of May, the total number of people going through TSA checkpoints was only about 2% lower than over the same period in May of 2019. So in many cases, conditions have largely normalized and most experts are expecting a pretty large spike in traffic over the summer, particularly people looking to fly and to get out on the road this summer. So, you know, when you think about a traveler, and I think about this from my own perspective, is my family's planning on going on a trip later this summer. It's going to be pretty busy. It's going to be busy at the airports. It's going to be busy on the roads. And many of those major attractions across the country and globally are probably going to be back to more normal or even a little bit more busy than normal, given what we've seen from an estimate standpoint from the number of people looking to travel this year. Um, but we do know it's going to be more expensive. Um, you know, you look at the numbers across the board, it's more expensive to fly, it's more expensive to get that hotel. And certainly as we look at food prices across the scape, um, it's going to be a lot more expensive to eat out. You know, diving a little deeper into those numbers, um, some estimates show that even though 
We've seen airline fares have come down a little bit for domestic travel relative to 2022. They're still about 16% higher than they were before the pandemic. Um, hotel costs are up about 5 to 6% more than a year ago. And like I said, food prices, you know, when you go on vacation, you go out to eat a lot. Uh, and we're still seeing about an 8.5% increase within the consumer price index for food away from home. Uh, and obviously, prices are even higher typically in many of the key vacation areas. So, you know, while it's great that people are going out on vacation and they're going to be spending more, um, you know, it's going to kind of further squeeze the budgets for many households as they try to figure out how we're going to pay for many of these costs that we're looking at from a vacation standpoint. And much of these higher costs, again, tie back to the rapid inflationary environment, especially in the cost for services. You know, many of the key areas we're talking about from a vacation standpoint, whether it's a restaurant, a cruise line, a hotel, a tour group, et cetera, they continue to have large difficulty finding workers. And so the workers that they are able to find, they have to pay a lot more for. And not surprising, they're passing along those costs to consumers, including travelers. So yet again, expect some pretty busy conditions and you know, expect to have to pay a little bit more as you go out on the road and fly somewhere this summer on that key summer vacation. Um, giving the estimates for the upcoming summer travel season, don't expect these higher costs to dampen the enthusiasm too much. You know, I think there's still a key what we call revenge travel trend. Uh, we're coming off of COVID. People are really valuing that time off, really valuing the ability to get out and travel. And I think finally this year, maybe just really relax uh, about the COVID implications as we look to get out on the road this summer. Um, it doesn't mean there might be some areas where you see some more price conscious behavior, um, but by and large, you know, people want to travel. The, the numbers show us that many people want to get out and take a vacation this year. And we should see a measurable boost across the service spending as we look over the summer. Well, like you've said for yourself there, Ben, a lot of people in our audience have you know, probably recently planned a trip that they're looking forward to. And these trips can be you know, pretty big expenses for, for families. And so you can look at the travel industry as an early indicator for where consumer spending will go as people plan ahead for these big uh, vacations. How is that trend playing out during this cycle? Well, you know, you look historically and spending on travel, it really tends to be more coincidental to, you know, the, the movements in the economy, meaning it really happens at the same time rather than leading. Um, some of the largest declines in recreation spending within the GDP calculations have occurred around recessions, not surprisingly. And there are multiple times where we see you know, kind of a one-time blip and cutback in recreation service spending, and that's happened during periods of expansion. So there's really not a great cause and effect relationship here, especially from a leading standpoint. Um, travel expenses are highly discretionary. So this is a key area where many consumers start to pull back on spent expenses as they look forward to maybe seeing some worse economic conditions ahead. You know, I would say that's been a little bit flipped on its head this time around. I don't think we've seen as much of uh, kind of cutting back on those to this point yet because many people have been putting off trips for so long. Uh, as Kathy mentioned, there is a sizable still amount of unspent savings from over the pandemic. So maybe this is finally being able to spend some of those savings and just take that trip that maybe you've had on hold for a couple years. So I don't think we're seeing as much of that you know, leading aspect to travel expenses, people start to cut back well in advance of a recession. It's a, it's a little more right up to it, I think, this time around. Um, but certainly an area that we track, again, as a highly discretionary area that does have an impact on where we see the overall spending numbers look for overall GDP and just overall for growth across the economy. 
Uh, it doesn't mean that recession forecasts don't influence those travel decisions and aren't influencing them this time around as well. You know, we've seen very clear signs of this within the retail sector, and I see a very clear corollary from what's happening within the retail to what we're likely to see in the travel sector as well. You know, we've heard reports that low-cost retailers, when you, when you think about the Walmarts, um, the ones on the lower end of the cost spectrum, have really performed very well over the past two years as, as consumers have shifted away from more middle market stores and say, well, maybe I can find a deal and get the same thing for a lower cost. People look for ways to stretch their dollar farther, especially with the cost for so many items going up so sharply over the past couple of years. And expect to see some of that same behavior from travelers this summer as well. We've seen uh, numbers that show the travelers really are looking for discounts and deals. Even if they don't find one, they're still probably booking that trip. Um, but some of those deals that we've seen reported from Disney or from cruise lines or from other key vendors out there, those have been very hot this year as people really try to jump into that to get that deal to yet again kind of control their costs and, and maybe keep down the total cost of a trip with so many other areas within their lives going up from a cost perspective. You know, another broad trend that we're keeping a close eye on for consumers is racking up credit card debt. Um, much of the focus has been on the increase in credit card debt as people just pay for everyday expenses. According to the New York Fed, total credit card debt for households in the first quarter was nearly $1 trillion. That's a record level and a record level of per capita balance of almost $3,500. So clearly we're seeing more and more behavior where people are not able to afford what they're trying to buy and they're putting it on credit cards. I did see one survey that showed that more than a quarter of travelers this summer plan to exclusively pay for their trip using credit cards. They're not planning on paying it off right away and just get those points. They're going to put it on the credit card and pay it off later. Uh, and again, those are some of those early warning signs that you know maybe consumers are stretching themselves a little too far. That unfortunately that means some some big implications down the road. And obviously there's just a lot of again pressure on total cost across the the consumer space. So I think the message might be enjoy yourself this summer. Um, we're going to see some good travel activity. We're going to see some overall fun times this summer, but when you get to the fall, maybe some tougher spending decisions, we'll start to see some more cutbacks and activity as we switch into the autumn. So, Kathy, let's bring you back in this conversation about that. I want to get your perspective on what this means for the economy. You know, like Ben said, as the consumers spend so much money on these vacations, uh, as that plays out, it could be a strong summer for services spending. And does that push out our recession call? And if so, how much? Yeah, there, those are very good questions, and I think you know Ben did a good job laying out that you know th this is by all indications uh, likely to be a, a strong um, uh, travel season, and and consumers one way or the other going to manage that whether it, they they have the cash on hand or or rely more on credit. Um, it, it does certainly have the potential to push out the start of of a recession. You also have to keep in mind though data are seasonally adjusted so that you know travel seasons you know they, they're smoothed out by the seasonal factors um so we have to have a really really strong season but that said we may uh, and that that certainly could boost overall consumer spending part of the mix too will be if we're spending more on services will we pull back more on on goods consumption and as i laid out earlier for the month of April, at least, it looks like it's strong across the board. But that was a very exceptionally strong month of personal income gains. And we saw that in the first quarter. January, we had a really um, outsized increase in employment and, um, and income was strong. 
and that fueled a pop in consumer spending. But then the momentum for spending cooled quite dramatically in February and March, and now it's picked up in April. So that really does tie it back to the labor market and the current income stream, because in general, uh, you know, about 90 percent, more than 90 percent of current consumption is driven by current income gains. And that's why the labor market and wage gains play such a big role here. And what we do know is the Federal Reserve is, is working quite hard, and they have by lifting rates, for, you know, 500 basis points. And the fact that banks are tightening the lending standards, you know, that's all going to, we think, eventually impact companies and, and hiring. And then that's what feeds through to um, slower income growth and and has the consumer pull back even more because our view is that uh, we're going to see that slow down in labor market and income, but inflation is only going to kind of grudgingly or gradually slow. It, it will, it's headed in the right direction, that's good news, but if if the inflation rate remains high, you see the consumer squeezed on both ends, right? That income is falling even further behind uh, inflation gains. So we do think that's probably more, as, as you said, like an autumn, some kind of late third quarter phenomenon. Uh, but we'll have to monitor, monitor this closely um, and, and see how it plays out. But a lot of the leading indicators, and again, the, the um, credit standards and credit availability plays a big role because if banks, for instance, start to tighten up credit standards for credit cards and consumers, well, they're, they're not going to be able to spend as much unless their income is keeping pace. Well, thanks, Kathy. That's important to, to call that out. Are there any other indicators that you or Ben are looking at right now that to, could be some good signs of deterioration for consumer sector? Well, the, the, the most high-frequency data that we receive um, is, is jobless claims, and that that's the indicator of what's happening on um, the labor front. So initial jobless claims and then what they call continuing jobless claims. And we have seen a pickup in initial jobless claims. Uh, that that has really been going on for over a month now. Um, and the latest week, we saw an even larger pickup. But I would say the overall level is still low. Um, but, um, and also the rise last week it may have been affected or bloated by um, the writer's strike that's going on. Um, so we'll look at the state-by-state -state data to get a sense of that. Um, but that's where you see some of the, the, the first signs of, of strain. I would also say that the consumer sentiment surveys, and, and they can they can be difficult because they, they, what we're seeing is consumers are saying right now, you know, they're not overly joyful about current conditions or expectations, but they're more negative on expectations. So that gets to that point that the labor market's still holding in. Um, some of these surveys are also sensitive. The equity market, that's holding in. Um, home prices haven't collapsed. Um, they're holding up. Um, they've fallen a little bit. So the consumer, at least current conditions, is it absolutely miserable. But when you look at the their question about how what will the conditions be in the, in, in the next six months or so or beyond that, that's where they're a lot more negative and start to get worried about income strains. So that's also something that's quite telling um, and, and can also be a leading indicator. Yeah, I, I think Kathy hit the nail on the head as far as the, the most important ones there. You know, there's lots of things we can look at from a consumer sector, but you know, we do get updates each month from the Institute for Supply Management on new orders for both manufacturing and services. And, you know, the more of those, we've already seen manufacturing orders have been, you know, 
in a contractionary standpoint for several months. The deeper those get, and right to this point, services orders have remained in expansion, but only just barely. Uh, and then the more those go downward, that that's a clear sign that consumers are pulling back. You know, I do look at the conference board, the consumer confidence readings. You know, we get buying plans within that. Consumers say whether they are planning to buy a house, are they planning to buy a car, are they planning to go on vacation? And, and the more we see those numbers pull back, again, that's kind of a forward look that, you know, maybe consumers are still spending solidly now, but as we look three months out, six months out, especially a year out, they're planning on really making those cutbacks, and that's going to add up to an overall slowdown in the consumer sector. And then I'll just point out, Kathy mentioned the saving rate, and typically what we see in the lead up to recessions, and especially during a recession, we see consumers hoard cash. And we're starting to see a little bit of that, especially uh, in many cases where savings uh, savings accounts are finally paying out some very decent rates. And so the more we see people piling up cash and not putting that to work, that tells us that we're going to see a slowdown in spending. And as we say, as the consumer goes, so goes the economy. And right, and if we see those things really start to move in the downward direction, that's going to only going to weaken the overall economic growth that we see. Well, thank you, Ben. And thank you also, Kathy. It's been a great discussion focusing on the consumer today, especially in terms of summer travel we hope everyone out there does have a safe and uh, wonderful vacation if they're going somewhere and if you do make sure you tune in to our podcast as you're driving down the interstate or you're packing your suitcase for your flight our next podcast will be talking about china and its impact on the global economy a great topic so make sure you stay tuned for that click subscribe so you're notified each time a new episode is released until next time For our Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.